Boss! 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 Welcome in to At The Buzzer, a Ralphie Report podcast about your Colorado Buffaloes. I'm Jack Barsh. Thank God I do the intro because over there yawning on the during the intro uh, is our other co-host, Sam. I'm very tired. Well, we're all going to be doing some yawning um, over the next <laughs> few months. I think we're finally what I would call the sports desert. We finally reached that plateau. Um, COVID prolonged it and last year, and we had quite a bit of time with no sports. But now we, we mercifully brought back college football and basketball and – for someone like me who despises baseball, um, this time of year sucks. So, I mean, I'm still watching the NBA, and I mean, I love the NBA, so obviously I'm going to be watching that. You but, say still, but I will start watching the NBA once we get to like when the players start caring. But for now, yeah. it's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I, I've I've been very much into the college side of things since like February or so watching nationally because mm-hmm. the NBA is like, this is the dog days of their season where they like, don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, although your Denver nuggets, the our Denver nuggets, everyone's look, Denver nuggets look very good after their trade acquisitions. Those are very fun. Yeah. I guess we can start talking about NBA draft pretty Dinwiddie soon. Might be coming back sometime soon for the nets. Dinwiddie for the nets. Yeah, well, I mean, he says that he hasn't ruled himself out for coming back for the playoffs. Good for Spencer. And I know, uh, and this is going to be the last thing we talk about for the NBA for a while, but I know that Alec Burks is doing very well in the Knicks right now. Mm-hmm. who are also doing okay. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, so all of that to say, last night, we're recording this on Tuesday. Last night, Monday, was the national championship game, the last – NCAA basketball game of the year. Um, your Colorado Buffaloes obviously were eliminated in the round of 32, but I obviously, I hopefully everyone kept watching. I thought the tournament was really fun this year, and I thought it was really cool that it, it had all the upsets and the the drama, and then it ended with the two best teams in the of of the year. Um, but honestly, last night's game kind of sucked. No, it really did. Uh... I, I mean, I've been on the Gonzaga hype train since the very beginning. Me too. Awesome. And I've been yes. calling them like the best team I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. They and were. they just got bodied. Uh-huh. So, like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It just, Baylor was so much quicker, so much more physical. And they just like completely dictated the game from a physicality standpoint. So let's set um, the table a little bit. It's Gonzaga yeah. Baylor for those who didn't keep paying attention. Um, Gonzaga and Baylor both combined for two losses, which is the lowest losses combined in a tournament final since I think the eighties. Um, Gonzaga undefeated all year, co- trying to complete the first perfect season since seventy six. Um, Baylor Big Twelve champion, um, and and the other thing is their their first game, which was supposed to happen in December, was canceled due to COVID issues on Baylor's part. So. Um, really a lot of hype around this to start. And, and like you mentioned, to me, it looked like Gonzaga thought they won when they beat UCLA, at, the, at least the beginning. They just looked so uninterested in playing basketball, which is crazy because they haven't yeah. all year. They looked a little tired. Man, yeah. So I guess I'm trying to organize my thoughts as we talk about it. 
there's two different things at once I, I know about Baylor. Number one, I will always root against the athletic department. And I, I apologize for Baylor fans, which I know are many. And I love, uh, I know a lot of Baylor fans that I enjoy. Um, but I don't they, apologize because I don't know any of them. And the, the Baylor, only people I know who yes. went to Baylor are not great people. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I think as an athletic department, they've done a lot of things that I would consider if you've done that, then you shouldn't be playing in college sports, at least for a while. So, um, mm. you know, I, I, it's not for nothing. Scott Drew, who I think is a great coach and I think does some things um, that aren't shady or and if he does some shady things, the things I don't care about. He took over uh, in 2003 after a literal scandal scandal covering up a murder. So, mm. You know, Dave it, Bliss. yeah, it, it sucks <laughs> seeing success for that. But on the other, uh, that's on one hand for me. On the other hand, like I mentioned, I think Scott Drew as a coach is pretty cool. Um, and I like his system. I don't think he does anything that's that's too skeevy or out of the ordinary. And also this specific Baylor team is also is so fun. I mean, yeah. awesome. The players on this team are great. Um, yeah, I would say everybody except Matthew Meyer. I would root for individually. Oh, I love Matthew Meyer. Um, I mean, Mark so Vidal is my favorite. I love Mark Vidal because that's yeah. like the college guy that doesn't succeed in the NBA. And I love those dudes. That's true. Whereas I don't watch Baylor very often. Mm-hmm. And so I was just blown away by how good Masio Teague is. Yeah, well, that was one of his best games of the year. And I guess that's the other thing is Baylor played, picked a great time to have the best game of the year. I mean, that was... Oh, yeah the best game they played all year in terms of offensive efficiency, defensive yeah, intensity they shot for like 40 60% minutes from three. Yeah. And that was everyone. It wasn't just like Teague taking shots. It was Mitchell hit shots. Jared Butler hit step back shots. Meyer hit shots. Um, Vital took one three. That was terrible. But then he figured out to stop taking three after that. I think, I think some key stats besides them having like 15 or 20 more shots than Gonzaga overall was that they, I think at one point they had grabbed they had made 70% of their contested jumpers and grabbed like 37% of available offensive rebounds. So yeah, we're getting to why I love Mark Vidal. Yeah. They yeah. out rebounded Gonzaga on the offensive glass, 14 to one. Gonzaga had one offensive rebound by Joel Ayayi, our favorite. Of course. And he's uh, the best offensive rebounding guard in the country. Yes, exactly. Which is why Tad was after him so hard too. Um, oh, fuck me. <laughs> yeah. So I, Baylor had 14, Gonzaga had one. And it was obvious from the jump that Baylor was going to go harder on the glass. Um, and Mark Vidal has a ridiculous skill to place himself where the ball is going to jump off the, the rim. And he's so good at carving space out for himself. Um, it really was fun to watch because Gonzaga has bigs. It's not like Timmy and, and Lawson are nothing, but they don't have bigs that attack the glass like that. And Vital made a living off of just eat, eating up space in there. It was awesome. It was so fun. Yeah, it was also like Flo Tamba and uh, Chemcha Chachua, yeah. who were just like so much more physical than any big men Drew Timmy has ever played against. And they kept also running uh, pick and rolls and Gonzaga would just switch every time. I'm not really sure why, because Timmy ends up getting like targeted every single pick and roll. And just generally he looked so bad defensively. And so like the switching, it meant that Baylor had the offensive rebounding advantage even more so because there was now guards on these big guys. And it was just like, just a disaster from a defensive rebounding point of view. And just from a general, like, Nothing was going right for Gonzaga. Right. Didn't Game help either with that. 
they 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 kept being pressured by Baylor's defense too, and like they were forcing passes and being sloppy with it. They just looked rattled, pretty much. Like the only player who really showed up was Jalen Suggs. I'll be honest. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. Go ahead. Who 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 all showed up? I think I think Kispert did his job. I think Kispert was horrible. Did his really? Why is that? Yeah. Why do you think so? He didn't. He cut. He was passive on offense, and when he shot it, he was out of rhythm. I and yes, on, he was on passive. defense. He was pretty much lost the whole game. If you're looking for Corey Kisser for defense, that's on you. See, that's, no, that no, is no, not... no, no. He should be an average to okay defender. Yes, average to yeah, but the, he was actively so, bad, like really bad. This is where Baylor's. I think Gonzaga still has more talent than Baylor, but Baylor's literal just five starting five matchup goes horribly with Gonzaga starting five matchup mm-hmm. because they have three guards that can all be a point guard. They all have, they have three point guards basically that they run and Corey Kispert can't defend a point guard. He can mm-hmm. defend a wing. He can defend a, a shooting guard. But if you try to put him on any one of Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell or Macy OT, you're going to get burnt. And they did. They, I mean, they, they did have Suggs, Nemhard and Ayayi all on the floor at the same time. But then there's other issues because like they're switching everything, so there's always going to be a matchup issue. I don't. I'm gonna push back on. The, I I thought Corey Kispert he was passive, but also his team just couldn't get in the ball, and I don't think it's his job. I guess he needs to go trying to get the ball, but generally he's a spot up shooter, like come off screens hard. And yeah. Baylor did such a good job ball pressuring. I was honestly pretty disappointed with Suggs, at least in the first half. I I to me it looked like he was completely unexpected like he, he didn't know what to do with the pressure and it's like you're Jalen Suggs of course they're going to pressure you no I mean um, the first 15 minutes were bad for Suggs but he figured it out and he like the middle 15 yeah. middle 20 minutes he was when Gonzaga made it a game yeah yeah and then otherwise like Timmy was scoring a bit but they couldn't overall, do post entry Baylor denied post entry every single time it was insane to watch two Timmy yeah. just couldn't get a couldn't get a pass um overall I it's to me, it's sad. I wanted to see this Gonzaga team put it like say they had the best season ever, which if they won, it would be the best season ever. Um, but that's there's a reason it's only been done once in the modern era. It's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to do that. So it's it's too bad that that, that ended like that. And I also was a Gonzaga fan. I still love their team, and they're going to be probably favorites next year or up there. Yeah, they have the uh, like the. I'm pretty sure they'll have the number one recruiting class or something like that next year. They have uh, Hunter Salas, who's who's the best yeah. combo guard coming in. They have Chet Holmgren, who's the best big coming in. Not official yet. Not official, but probably going to. Um, yeah, they're gonna return Drew Timmy. They're gonna return Joel Ayayi. Um, mm-hmm. And they have Balo on the on the bench, who's a big yeah. guy, who's crazy. Yeah, their whole depth is just like insanely good recruits. So they're they're going to be back. I, I I don't know who what. It's so hard to do those top twenty five. Those way way too early top twenty fives right now because we don't know what's going to happen with the transfer like stuff. We don't even know what, who all the recruits are right now. So any of those are going to be wasted efforts. They always are, but. So far, it looks like Gonzaga will be the next best team. Like, we don't know who's going to return from Baylor, even. No, and I, we know Davion Mitchell is going pro. I would assume Jared Butler is going to try to go pro. Yeah, well, Butler will be like a second-round pick. Mitchell will be a first. Yeah. Meyer, Matt Meyer would probably be a second-rounder. 
So, I, I don't know. It was fun because no matter what, we had a new champion. I wish Gonzaga was mm-hmm. a new champion. I wish Mark Few got to put that crown in his – or jewel in his crown. Um, but I guess the thing – I to me, I think this is going to be more normal for Gonzaga than the outlier for Gonzaga moving forward because their recruiting is now reaching like peak levels, like top mm-hmm. class in the country levels. Um and it's just crazy yeah. that this tiny school in Spokane, Washington is is gra- is like powerhouse, but they are. Like they are now a powerhouse. Yeah, this was like this team was the best Gonzaga team ever. It was like a culmination of just 20 years of building a powerhouse. But I mean, now that they're at the peak, they're still going to be peaked for a little while. Like they're going to have more chances at it. Um someone compared it to like when you're playing NCAA football 14 or whatever and you're in like year 15. And yeah. just like every recruit is coming in, you don't even have to try. You're benching five stars for five stars, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, their whole like their whole bench is like top fifty recruits or top one hundred recruits. It, yeah, I don't know. It's I this Baylor team also deserved, I think, to win. They they proved that they were a great team. Um. I don't know. It sucks. It also sucks that, and we haven't talked about this, at the Final Four game directly preceding this was like one of the best games I've ever seen. was one of the best games anyone's ever seen, one of the best tournament games of all time. Uh, but it was bl- it was sandwiched by what terrible Final Four game where Baylor just beat the doors off of Houston and then a terrible title game. Um, did you, know, go ahead. Did you think Jalen Suggs shot was going in? No, I, 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 no, I didn't think he was, you know, I'm conditioned to think that those just clank off overtime. Um, mm. But did you? I, so when Juzing drove on that, the, the game tying shot, I felt like I was watching it like I had already seen it before and that it was just going exactly how it has gone and how it always will go. And that was like getting the offensive rebound, getting his own shot, it all seemed like it was just so natural. How and then spiritual. to go right into Suggs getting the ball, dribbling it up, and taking that. I was like, there's no chance it doesn't go in because it just felt like it always had gone in. Wow. Weird. Very Buddhist. <laughs> but I was, I was with my family, and everybody was going crazy. And even yeah, grandma, was... I, I lost my mind. That was one of the best shots I've ever seen. That's what Gordon Hayward's shot should have been. Ugh. Uh, it was, I mean, Ted Chalfin saying, <laughs> I'm mad at Ted for saying that that, that shouldn't have gone in and that the Gordon Hayward shot should have instead. He would have traded those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but that's because he has a crush on Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I can see it. You know, <laughs> it's also poetic. That whole game was poetic because obviously Gonzaga collapsed against UCLA when Adam Morrison was a senior in the tournament led to the Heartbreak City line with the more iconic One Shining Moment lines. You see Adam Morrison crying on the court. I still remember that when I watched that. Um, and that was a Darren Collison UCLA team. Well, they, yeah, they got a crazy steal in the last 10 seconds and, and basically came back from like five down in the last like 45, I think, to win it. Oh, damn. And um, ruined Gonzaga's shot of glory. And now they, they got to do the same um, against a Adam Morrison type scorer in Johnny Juzang. Um, speaking of, I mean, like, UCLA, their run, completely unexpected. I thought I was being bold saying Sweet 16, but it turned out to be, be the Final Four. Like, who the fuck thought that? 
Um, do, they have to be the Pac-12 title favorites next year. They're only going to lose. They're going to be top five next year. No, they're going to be preseason top five. Yeah. Um, they're so far. They're only going to be losing. No one really officially, unless Johnny Juzang leaves. They just well, they just announced Jalen Hills retired from basketball tonight. Oh, they well, just announced that. Okay, well that's not really a loss. He was good, but he wasn't like he yeah, wasn't going to put them over the top. Yeah, he also didn't like play. In and a, honestly, and this is going to sound annoying, but after that run too, having that scholarship open in this late recruiting cycle is going to give them a better player. Now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but I think so far it looks like. So Chris Smith is a senior, but he tore his ACL. I would guess he's going to use his extra year of eligibility and come back. Yes, he's not an NBA prospect. He is an NBA prospect, and he would have been a second rounder if he went last year, but he decided to come back. I don't, I don't think he's a good NBA prospect, no. but he is. He does have NBA chances. Sure, but you need to prove you can't. I don't know if you're a second rounder, and then you lose a year because of ACL. I think you got to prove that. Spencer Dinwiddie. No, Spencer Dinwiddie was a first rounder slash semi lottery pick. Okay, and then and then he dropped twenty spots. So if you're already at fifty and you drop twenty spots, you're not getting drafted. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's fair. But yeah, I think I think Chris Smith should and will come back because he wanted to come back for his senior year regardless because he wanted to be on a competitive team because he thought that this team had something special left in them. Um, he was right. Jaime Jaquez probably played himself into some draft consideration. He's coming back. I think he should come back because, like, again, he might be their best player next year. Um, Juzang is gone. If I were him, go get the money. Like, yeah, yeah. I think he, he, he proved whatever he had to. And I don't think he's ever, his value peaked right there. It's yep. a Mitch McGarry type of breakout yeah, that's a good out of comparison. nowhere into first round pick. And I think that. I, w- I want to go back and look at players who go from like undrafted to first round pick in the span of the NCAA tournament. And I want to see how they do in the NBA. Cause I don't think it would be that great of a track record like late bloomers. Cause it's just a five game sample. It's ridiculous. I don't know how many other people there are that did that. I mean, there's, there's always somebody every year. There's somebody who rises. Uh, so Let's let's zoom out a little bit just to get to to put a bow on the NCAA tournament. Now that's done, mm-hmm. um, excluding CU's games, let's just give me give me your favorite moment from the tournament. Not also don't include the Final Four. That's not fair. Don't include the UCLA Gonzaga game. Okay, okay. I, I I'm just thinking like Pac-12 teams right now mm-hmm. because. Um, like Oregon State making the Elite Eight was crazy, crazy. Right. And I just wish that they had hung on to beat Houston. That would have been absolutely <laughs> that was a crazy insane. comeback. Yeah. Um I think that would be maybe I don't know. Like like also seeing UCLA like Hawkes balling balling out to save UCLA against Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And then him going crazy against Alabama. Those were really fun games. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning towards this pack twelve moments because, <laughs> like, I was this was this is the first time I've ever been like back the pack. Literally the first time. I always say like, f these other teams. Well, like, you should. Yeah, I should, but because it was like Oregon or right. not Oregon. I don't. I want Oregon, Oregon State. Yeah, because it was Oregon State and UCLA. I was really like, oh my god, yes. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go with the Pac-12 moment. I think it was, to me, it was the most fun game to watch too. Oral Roberts beating Ohio State. That game was crazy. Um, I missed that game because I was driving, like I was in the car to my dad's house or something. Okay. So I, I, that was the one game of that day I couldn't see and I watched the final minute. I knew nothing about Max Amos or Charles O'Banner. I, I, I knew nothing about the team. And these two dudes just ate up Ohio State. And I, I had Ohio State in the final four. I love that Ohio State too. team. Yeah. Um, I, you talked me into Ohio State and I'm pissed. Well, they had shot makers, EJ Liddell. I, I just thought they had the right team composition. And I thought they finally put it together in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, and then it turns out that they shot themselves out of that Oral Roberts game. And these dudes just kept coming out of Ohio State. It was just so fun to watch. I don't know. It's so many crazy upsets this year that ended up not really affecting the, what we all thought was going to be the end, which I think is best case because you got to see the mm-hmm. best teams play and then you got to see some chaos. Yeah, I will say, I think from a basketball standpoint, this was a fairly ugly tournament. Like the, there weren't any really high scoring games going like shot for shot. Like there was a few, but I feel like most of the games were like, yeah. were the muck it up drudge to the end. No Xavier, Kansas state. And I think like 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 there was one point where like all the Pac-12 teams had won, but I think teams shooting against Pac-12 were like twenty three percent from three, like in every game involving that. Yeah. So like that's how every game felt like to me is every team shooting below forty percent. I don't know. I liked it though. I, I this year more than other years was definitely more defensive oriented, just because people had less team time to gel, and it was just a weird tournament. Um, so I guarantee people off their game. There's some. Stat- I would also say that like the teams just weren't as good. Like the top teams just weren't as good as in years past. So there well, was a lot way more of- guess. I mean, shit. UCLA was an 11 seed. Obviously, should not have been. USC was a six seed. Obviously, should not have been. Like those are two easy choices to be like. Yeah, I think that overall people guessed way more about conference strength. And if that underlying data is flawed, then you're going to come up with some weird ass mm-hmm. uh, seating, which leads to an Ohio state two seed. The probably should have been a four seed and USC probably should have also oh, no, been no, no. a four seed. Ohio state should have been a two. I think they earned it. They just, I don't know, man. Like they, they were good. They, they, they caught a team that shouldn't have been a, well, I guess they probably would have been a 15 anyway, because they finished fourth in the summit league. But like no. they caught a team that just had a way more offense than any 15 seed should ever have that just got fucking hot as hell. So I guess here's my question. What's your evidence that Ohio State is good? They is good it players. Big Ten wins? They have good players, I think. Yeah. In a vacuum. I think I like so too. watching some of their players. But big I, I, to me, that's also with Illinois and uh, Iowa. Like I love watching Luka Garza, but I think – that cycle, that feedback cycle was broken from the start. And I think it's pretty obvious now looking back, Big Ten was overvalued. Pac-12 was undervalued. And that happened with other conferences. I think, I don't know. I A lot of the power conferences got benefits of the doubt they should not have gotten. And that led to some bad upsets because there were some two seeds, three seeds that shouldn't have been two seeds, three seeds, four seeds even. Kansas shouldn't have been a three. Right. Should Oklahoma State really have been a four? I don't know. Uh, yeah, so like some things are pretty easy in hindsight. Like Oklahoma State, they have literally one player who can shoot, and he's their main ball handler. 
Right. Um, <laughs> oops. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Illinois. They ended up like they they tended to be an erratic erratic team throughout the season, and they caught the team who was probably the worst seeded team in the whole cur- tournament. And we knew that. Right. And we knew that they were like a matchup problem for Illinois, and that we knew Crutwood would would take Coburn away from the rim and so on and so forth. I didn't realize that they'd be the better team forty minutes in that game, so that was kind of weird. But like a lot of just a lot of that stuff. I mean, in the end, I think what's going to happen is I, we're going to see. I think this is by far the most inaccurate year Ken Palm has had in other advanced statistic statistical models, and you might see a little bit of a jump the other way where I think they might devalue some some Big Ten teams next year. Or I think the Big Ten will get hyped up regardless. I think people, like media especially, just loves the Big Ten basketball more than anything. Well, and let me go to the other side uh, where I, I think we're, we're really going to see it. Not for nothing, Colorado finished eighth in Ken Palm this year. Colorado finished crazy. the year top ten in Ken Palm. Our Colorado Buffaloes are a top ten basketball team if you look by, by advanced metrics. Oregon State, I think, finished what? Top 35? I am pulling it up. I find uh, USC is like sixth, I think. Oregon State's 43, Oregon 16, USC 6, UCLA 13. Yeah. So I think what you're going to see is an overreaction to that, where if they plug those into a preseason metric, you the Pac-12 is going to look like the best or second best power conference out there. This um, season or next? Next season. Going into non-conference play. Maybe. I mean, a 12 and 13 Utah team, Sam, a 12 and 13 Utah team is 44th right now in Kempom. Well, where's, where's like Penn State? Cause they're always, they're always the team. They're 40th. A horrible record. 11 or 14, 40th. 40th. Oh, so they, they dropped. They were top 25 with a losing record. Yeah, exactly. Well, they dropped because the Big Ten as a whole dropped and the Pac 12 as a whole soared in the tournament. Yeah, Stanford, okay, 14 and 13, 57th. You know, like Stanford was better than that. Don't even use them as an example. Okay. Regardless, I think there's going to be some correction next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that in the as as a whole, it's it's more proportion is going to correctly rating the Pac 12 instead of overrating the Pac 12. I think as I don't want to overplay national narratives, but I think there absolutely is something to say that the Pac 12 like dominated the tournament this year. And I think a lot of East coast media people mentioned that because it was so unexpected. And I, I don't think it'll be as unexpected next year. I think you're going to see a lot of AP polls and AP vote. Like there's going to be more national casual respect for the Pac 12. I think at least next year. Do you, do you have any guesses as to why the Pac-12 ambush teams? Because I, I, I have a pet theory, I guess. Well, number one, no one watched them, so that's fine. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> okay, how it sure. goes. But the other thing is, if you look at the challenges in the non-con, they're really the only non-conference games that were played at any level. You saw the Big Ten play the ACC, and you saw the Big Ten, for the most part, dominate the ACC. This is back when the ACC was considered great. So people were like, holy shit, the Big Ten this year is insane. And we found out the ACC was hot garbage. Yes, ACC was terrible, but that never really showed out to the Big Ten rankings because they continued to dominate and then they beat each other up and that created a feedback loop of everyone having a crazy strength of schedule in the Big Ten. On the other side, I think the Pac-12, even though Stanford beat Alabama, like that, no one talks about that, 
this Stanford team at full health beat Alabama. Uh, in general, they didn't play as many marquee pa- matchups, and uh, as a result, they didn't get a chance to have that preseason level set. So when the Pac-12 team started beating up other Pac-12 teams, it created the negative feedback loop where like Colorado's losing to Cal, what the hell? Or like, you know, uh, UCLA lost four straight. They suck. Mm-hmm. And like Oregon State just tripping up people at the end of the season. Like that makes sense now. Like in hindsight, Oregon State um, they found was something. considered. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they... they Beat. I'm off, but um, I think you're generally right about why they were misperceived nationally. But like, I was asking, like, why do you think they did so well in the NCAA tournament? I think because the this conference actually, which is crazy, because it's the Pac-12, so people would assume it's like Loyola Marymount score as much as possible basketball. But I actually think this conference, at least at the top, with its coaches, do a really good job of defensive coaching. Across the board. I think Wayne Tinkle is a defensive coach. Mick Cronin's a defensive coach. Anna Altman's a defensive coach. Andy Enfield this year had a defensive team. I don't think he's a defensive coach, but Evan no, Mobley. Yeah, Evan Mobley playing center. And, and Tab Boyle is a defensive coach. So those are the five coaches you have in the tournament. And um, all you need in the tournament is really one or two guys to carry your offense for the most part if you have great team defense. Um and I think four of those five teams had great team defense and one of them had Evan Mobley. So I think that helps. Yeah. I was about to make the same point that I think, I don't know who it was, but somebody joked that the PAC 12 was doing so well because they're the only conference that plays a real legitimate defense. <laughs> and so nobody was getting upset because nobody was letting like Max Asmus go off for 30 points. Like, that just wouldn't have happened against the Pac-12 team, really. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah. it could have. But, um, yeah, like, all these teams, like, um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they – nobody went off against any of the Pac-12 teams except for, like, UCLA having some nail biters. And even then, UCLA was holding teams down. And I think U- UCLA has the worst defense out of the teams that made the pack the tournament. Definitely have the um, least defensive talent past Hack Hack and Campbell, and mm-hmm. even then, I don't know. I, yeah, in even, general, the yeah, league Campbell's shutouts, not even a talented defender. He's just smart and yeah, exactly. Hard. Yeah. So I, I think it's a it was a great stage setter for the future of Pac-12 basketball. I don't want to overstate either. I, you know, it, just looking at a 2022 commit to see you just got Joe Hurlbert, and I mentioned this when he committed last episode. He mentioned the Pac-12 success in the tournament as part of the reasons he was excited to go to Colorado. And it's like, I think that partially matters. Like the perception of the league and if you're recruiting nationwide recruits matters. Mm -hmm. Tab Oil went into a Big Ten state against Big Ten schools and they built a relationship. And I think this isn't the thing that helped, but like it, it definitely helps sell it to the recruit saying like, you're not in a, like you're in a conference that belongs. And this, the Pac-12, I think, showed that um, during those regular season games when CU loses to Utah, I think next year it's good to keep that in mind. It's not just because CU collapsed, even though they did against Utah. That was a collapse. It's also because the teams top to bottom have talent. Like, And the Pac-12 actually does a good job, I think, of making that talent play as a team, at least on one side of the court. Like, 
the league is really solid. I think is what came mm-hmm. out of this. Like top to bottom, you're gonna have solid teams every year, and I think that was fun for me to to find out nationally. Yeah, um, going into next year, so I think UCLA will be the favorite. Yeah, two five stars coming any... in, plus Smith coming back. Yes, yes. Um, also, they were supposed to have Deshaun Nix on their team, and the G League recruited him Tampered. even though he was committed. Yeah. And they they said they weren't going to recruit kids who were committed, but they still did. But it's okay. It would have been fun to have a let, six let the kid make his money. Heavy point guard. He would have made money regardless. But <laughs> um, so like what we have UCLA coming back, they're going to be stacked. Um, do you do you have a second best team heading into next year? And we yeah. this is without knowing who's exactly is coming so, back, who's transferring in. Yeah, let's go real quick. Some other things that happened, right? Utah fired Larry Kristoviak. There, Timmy Allen, the best player, is transferring. Alfonso yeah. Plummer, the second best player, at least on offense, is transferring. Riley Batten, their second best defensive player, is transferring. Utah is going to be a full rebuild next year. Good. Um, so they are probably going to be near the bottom. F those guys. I think Matt those... Bradley is transferring from Cal. Yes, Matt Bradley transferred from Cal. Huge news. Uh, one of my favorite players. I've said that before. You have audio. If who, I guess no one, please, God, don't listen back to prior episodes. But I do mention <laughs> that. Um, I feel like our predictions are usually right. <laughs> that's that's the poll quote. I feel like our predictions are usually right. No, like like compared yeah. to other things that we do, like where we generally get these things right. It's fun. So I mean, ASU will probably be in a better spot next year. They won't. They aren't going to be second, but they'll probably be less of a complete fucking mess. Okay, okay. Who ASU is losing like half their team? Martin Christopher Bagley, right? Yes. And Kamani Lawrence is a senior. Um, I don't and know. And I'm pretty sustained. sure Jalen House is transferring. Yes, Jalen House is transferring, but that might not be a bad thing because whatever they have right now didn't work. So. Yeah, but that's like all their good players. Yeah, but if they don't work well together, Tayshawn Cherry is not going to move the needle. Yeah, they have, they always have a good class coming in. Let me double check. Um, I'm so curious. you mentioned Look it up while you're talking. second in the conference, I think has to be Oregon right now. Um, I think so too. They have the talent. They have the pedigree on the coach. They're losing Duarte. Very good. But is, is Dante going to, to the NBA and Folly Dante? Folly Dante? Probably not. Cause he's been injured two years in a row now. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's Will Richardson's team next year. He's very good. Uh, they're going to have bodies there and they're always going to be good. Um, especially near the end. So I think that that's the, the, the obvious number two. Number three is probably Arizona. Honestly, they no one's really leaving for the NBA for Arizona this year, which is a rarity. Benedict uh, McLaren's not leaving? I don't think so. Not At least not yet. Damn they're it. losing Terrell Brown to transfer, uh, but he wasn't a huge thing. And they're super European this year, which is going to be interesting to follow. Tubelis is going to be good. Yes, and he's. I already hate him, so I it will. I will continue to as he beats the hell out of CU. Yep, Tubelas and Mathurin are just going to body CU. It's going to suck. Also, are they recruiting in Europe because the FBI can't yes. investigate there? A hundred percent. Well, it's it's because they. It's way easier to avoid negative recruiting in Europe. A hundred percent. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's fun to know. Um, is Oregon State going to get overhyped? So that's the other thing I wanted to mention is the other thing that's cool about the Pac-12 this year, unlike a Loyola Chicago where Poet and Moser just got poached, 
right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, other small conferences where you see someone make a run like Oral Roberts and he's immediately in contention for these bigger jobs. No one tried to go after Wayne Tinkle, even though that was one of the best coaching jobs all year. He's on an extension of Oregon State. No one went after Mick Cronin because he's making a, a, a ridiculous amount of money. No one's going after Andy. Like, these dudes stayed. So I think the coaching in the Pac-12 is still really, really good. Um, Tinkle's going to have a massive rebuild. So I'm going to put them still on the bottom half because um, I think they found yeah. something with this year that is rare just in terms of chemistry. That I think near the end, that was all chemistry. Yeah, I um, think it depends on what Ethan Thompson does. Cause I assume he's leaving, but I don't know. Like you, I would also you just any of these seniors, like you just can't know what they're going to do. So they have one commit coming in next year, a three-star. They have one guy transferring out Julian Franklin. Uh, the commit is a Juco shooting guard. Uh, and I, I, so I wouldn't ex- points on us at some yeah, point. Yes. So I mean, Kalu coming out party, we were the coming out party for Kalu and he proceeded Fuck to dominate it. in the tournament. Um. Oh God, Good Utah Lucas is in a Don't rough state. Have, do you want to guess yeah. Utah's current recruiting class? One hundred sixteenth. No, unrated. They have one not rated player, Lazar Stefanovic from Serbia. Are you? That's are it. we sure that's? Is that's that the it. right Serbian Lazar? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They're they're bringing back Nikolic, baby. Did Did you know Ersan Ilyasova? Do you know him? I do know him. That he is very most likely uh, three years older than he says he is and not Turkish, but Uzbeki. That's awesome. And he moved to Turkey and reclassified himself under a new name. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Love those players. What's um, your bag? So, so, so we know UCLA will be good. Oregon will be good. Arizona will be good. Which... After that, do we think USC will recover? Like after losing both mobile brothers because like i assume both are gone yeah and they have good they have good pieces there no one that's going to carry a team any or even close honestly i would put uc usc and colorado in a similar boat right now mm-hmm. um they're losing like everything both teams um in terms of current production so we are pretty bullish in Colorado next year because we know what the plan is to replace that. And also we're pretty confident in the talent coming in and the talent on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume that USC feels the same way. So I, I couldn't say if that's true or not. Let me, I'm looking at the 2021 class right now. They have a ready-made shooting guard, Reese Dixon Waters, okay. um, who's pretty solid. And they have three other mostly guards coming in. Plus, they have a Juco guy, KJ Allen, who's featured heavily in the Last Chance U on Netflix, uh, for those who want to watch that. But he's a he's a crazy athlete on defense. No one, I think, that could get anywhere close to the offensive anchor they need. That's a lot of points they're losing. I, mm-hmm. You know, is, is Tajidi going to come back? I don't know. Probably not. Um, Stanford's probably losing a bunch of their talent. Washington State's going to be good. The wild card is Washington. Washington terrible this year. Who do uh, they have? They they have a very like you just watch them and you just think this team is not talented. At not all. talented at all, and they lost uh, Marcus Sahonis. Sahonis, our God. worst nightmare. Their <laughs> class this year isn't that great, but it's small. They just got Terrell Brown transferring from Arizona. Eric Stevenson transferred. Yeah, that's not. I mean, a he sucks, but... Either way. <laughs> 
God, their class this year was ter- last year was terrible too. So I don't know what they're playing. I don't know no, what's Mike happening. Hopkins with Mike got Hopkins. the best contract imaginable and just decided to retire while coaching. I think. I think yeah. he knows that when Bayheim retires, he's going to go to Syracuse. No, not anymore. Maybe. Yeah, they're they're struggling. So I, that's too bad because they should be way better than they are. I think the top six are going to be UCLA, Oregon, Arizona, some combination of USC, Colorado, and I guess here's my wild card pick, Washington State. I, I, think was, Washington. I said that. Yeah, I said that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I like their team. Um, and then Oregon State will be there too. I think like like this will be a solid league next year too. I, I am a little worried about like I'm not sure Oregon State's gonna be there, but yeah, U, UCLA and Oregon will be good. I, I just don't know yet with the other teams so far. I think yeah, it's something to wait and see. A lot of talent leaving this year. A lot of talent leaving. And to, not even not like NBA talent, like a lot of graduating uh, talent. Graduating talent leaving the Pac twelve, which is gonna be hard to replace. But in general, I think the talent for the league is still high, obviously. Uh, and getting better all the time. So, Jack, do you know what else is getting better all the time? I I have a guess, but I want you to tell me because I'm so excited. Well, homefieldapparel.com nice. is adding more and more schools. They're about to add an Oklahoma State. Uh, Hell yeah, they are. Area. Go Cowboys. Go Cowboys. Well, not really, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they have a CU line that's out right now. It's very good. Yep. I'm very excited to get my shirts. Not so not for nothing. One team not in the nothing. national championship game is a home field apparel team. And that team is Baylor. Home field yes. apparel wins you games. But if they did ever get UCLA and I, I would buy some UCLA. Games. Oh, that would be gorgeous. Um, so what why are we why are we talking about home field apparel still? Uh, great stuff, of course. Great CU line. But what could we do for listeners? Why do they care what we have to say? Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you. Well, we have a promo code. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. All caps, Ralphie, 15% off on your first purchase. If you use that, you can get a shirt. That's going to be the best material. It's mm-hmm. going to last a long time because it's local, like American made. It's going to be really nice, really good fabric. Very All designed and printed in Indiana. Yes. Home, home of basketball. Home of yes. Mike Woodson. Yes. It's going to be good. So, Go yeah. Enjoy it. If, wear and, it all the time. and I'll say this right now, and I, this is not sanctioned by anyone else. If you can get your cart to be $62.36 as, as a CU fan, I will buy you another shirt. Okay. How are you going to do that? The first person. Hey, man, if whoever's listening who's still listening to this podcast, send me, send the Ralph Report DM of the, the image of your cart. If it says if somehow if you get sixty two dollars and thirty six cents, I'll give you another shirt. I also um, I'm trying to find a way to pitch the idea of having Sabatino's shot was good because mm. I think that would be very funny to have on a home field shirt, and I would definitely wear it. Sabatino would definitely wear it. He already used our promo yes. code. Yes, he did. We are getting uh, CU celebrities Ralph. to use yes. our promo code. Yes. Um, do you want to talk about football? 
yeah, I also want to real quickly mention before I move on, uh, also happening this week, much more fun game. Uh, Pac-12 on Pac-12 violence. Stanford beat Arizona in the Women's National Championship game, um, which was super close. Ari McDonald, I totally pronounced that wrong, but McDonald for Arizona is an amazing yeah, player. Is it Ari? Okay. Ari. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, and... This is still the only year now, I believe, in either men's or women's when CU has beat the national champion because uh, CU women defeated Stanford, if anyone remembers that, when they were ranked number one in the country. Hell, yes. Also, Maya Hollings had the best player on CU. Coming back. She's coming back. She's a super senior next year. Jalen Sherrod um, coming back from surgery. Yep. Jalen Sherrod's coming back. Frida, Frida Foreman, my Danish homie, coming back. Uh, yeah, someone else has had double hip surgery. I I don't. It might have been her. I don't remember, but that's what Sherrod well, had as well. I will say that I was watching CU women's, and I would probably have migraines every day of my life if I had to cover that team. Yeah, because <laughs> they, they are erratic. They are erratic. They don't play defense. It's um, fun to watch. Actually, no, no, no. They play a two-three defense. But the thing about women's basketball is that they're a lot smaller. Than men's basketball, but they play on the same size court. Yeah, and the so length is less a of a yeah two three zone with that size. It's so easy to just pass around it, and I never thought about that conceptually until I just watched them lose to Washington in the Pac twelve tournament. Literally, all they had to do was not lose that game, and they would have made the NCAA tournament. So, but next great. year's squad is looking like it's going to. It's, it's yes. going to break through. Good class good. coming in too. They're looking for a JUCO center, I think, or a transfer center to, to get some size. But just wanted yeah. to mention that great game. You know, if you wanted to actually, is cool. Yes, maybe that's who was getting the surgery. Um, Regardless, all I would like to see Jalen Schrod back because she's one of the best defensive players in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Super. They exciting. are on the upswing, to say the least. I would just like to see them play coherent defense and i just made me appreciate cu men's basketball a little bit more because we don't have to worry about that (laughs) are we gonna get some stops i mean yeah it's yeah jr Payne plays like doug mo played in the 80s for the nuggets where it's just like you are running when you can you are going for buckets when you can shoot threes when you can. oh the other thing that i noticed while they're playing is and i think frida foreman's especially guilty of this they will pass it and then look up to see who they're passing it to. And half of the time it will be another team. (laughs) It's infuriating how often they literally (laughs) right to the defender. I think they had something like 20 turnovers against Washington. And like half of those were just bad passes that Washington turned into layups. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, But they did beat Stanford. This team is capable of great highs and great lows. They'll be better than ever next year. J.R. Payne's on the up and up. She's awesome. J.R. Payne is 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 a coach you want it. You want to be successful at CU. So yes, she's so cool and she follows us. So that's yep. Good. Um, that's our that was our last women's basketball update. And with that, I think closes the chapter on recaps for basketball. So we have to go. We're done. We're done with that sport. Uh, now we get to talk about spring football, which is. Um, you know, I'm, this is what I'm going to say. I'm surprised by how much I missed it last year. Honestly, that's what I'm learning this year is I'm surprised the by how much game? I missed the practice updates. Not even that, like just oh. hearing Carl Durrell talk about the team, just hearing it's to, 
I've said this, I think, before, but spring football to me is the essence of being a college football fan because it's just complete hopeless optimism. Like, you really no one's learning too much in spring football, uh, especially with closed practices. But the little tidbits you get, it's just like you, you can let your mind run, run wild. So, so enlighten me because fun. I have never followed spring football and I never will. Um, I, I think, yeah. So that's part of the reason I think it's fun is because you're practicing against yourself, right? So there's a double-edged sword in general. If a player looks great in camp or if the offense looks great in camp, then your defense might suck. But for me, it's Steven fun. Steven Montez to- heading into a senior year throwing picks. Right. Then you're like, but to me, it's, it's super fun. Cause you just be like, wow, our defense is unbelievable. They're picking off a senior leader quarterback in yeah, practice. And then the other side, we're like, Oh, these are all freshmen. Yes. <laughs> it's just a time when no one really, there's no objectivity to the data. So you can just make it whatever you want to be. Um, it's like the big 10 with their schedule. Yes, exactly. Or the sec when they schedule the dumb Citadel game a week before the, the rivalry week. So they can just be like, we're tuned up. We beat, we beat Sewanee college by 20. Um, by 20 damn I know. that's bad <laughs> so this year Carl Durrell's first spring even though he was a coach for two years so it's been fun I think he gets it's fun because he gets to have a kind of a head start it's kind of a year one but not really um, and he also gets a new strength and conditioning coach this year so that's a large part of screen spring too is just getting bodies ready oh yeah um, offensive line is low on bodies Casey Roddick is hurt uh, Kerry Kutch is still recovering from that nasty injury he suffered. And I oh, was sorry, not Kerry Kutch, Chance Lytle. Um, and I think they're down to 10 healthy bodies. So that's limiting some of what they can do. And I think they're going to have a normal spring game because of that. But everywhere else, um, I think the depth is showing out pretty well. Gun to your head right now, if you had to guess, who led the team in catches last year for CU? Dimitri Stanley. Wrong. It was Levante Chenault. Isn't that what? crazy? Isn't that weird? They didn't pass it to Stanley enough. Um, also, it's because they had a quarterback who couldn't really throw farther than 10 yards without hurting a shoulder. Who is who is also hurt this spring, which is leading to some of the more interesting stuff coming out. Uh-oh. CU's, CU's been lucky slash unlucky this year because a lot of the established starters, like Nate Landman, like uh, Sam Neuer, even though he's not really established anymore, are out. So And Brady Russell. So you're giving reps to people who are fighting for those supporting roles or maybe a starting role, depending on how well they do, which means you get a little bit more insight um, into what that's looking like. So the most exciting storyline that's come out, in my opinion, is um, Carl Durrell talking about Brendan Lewis. Because I would not consider Carl Durrell a guy who praises wantonly. I don't think he's kind of, he, I don't think he's that sunshine pumpy. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think he's that opaque. So he has been very heavy in his praise with Brendan Lewis this year. He, he constantly says, this is, this is his line, he's a completely different player since the Alamo Bowl. He says all the time, Alamo Bowl gave him something. He's making way faster reads. He's looking great out there with the ones. So I'm taking that as the fact that, that CU has found something there. And he says that San Nora's job to lose when he gets back, but I think he's losing it now. And also, I lied to you, or CFB references lying to you. Demetri Stanley was a leading receiver in terms of catches last year. Eat it. Um, regardless, I think that's, that's that's something that's really fun coming out of camp. I'm excited to see more of that. We won't be able to cover the spring game, which is too bad, at least in a traditional format. Um, the other thing that's fun is Alex Fondo's 100%, and that 
backfield is competing hard for carries. Oh, Sean Clayton's still here too, huh? Clayton is still here. Uh, Broussard <laughs> shed the knee brace, and Fontenot's 100% back. And I would put that backfield up against almost anyone else in the Pac-12 for best yeah. running backs. No, that's really good. So um, I think the offensive line is pretty solid too. Like like you said, they are thin right now, but that's because of injuries. But They're looking, I think, still for a tackle transfer. I think they really want to shore up one of those spots. Phillip is doing okay at left tackle, but... That would be nice. I, I do want one more vet on the outside. The interior of the line, is, I think, is super solid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. What's going on? What's yeah, going on? So, so I'll keep talking. Uh, the, yeah. last, the last <laughs> thing I think that's coming out is it sounds like Robert Barnes on defense is making a huge impact as a leader. Um, he's coming from Oklahoma. And where they don't know how to play defense, so I'm glad he's moving to a spot that does. Uh, you know, I it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. CU has two heavy transfers coming into the linebacker spot. Robert Barnes, who was a safety, he's going to be playing more on the outside, kind of that buff backer role. But Jack Lamb is like as pure inside linebacker as you come as you can come. But they just moved more people into the inside linebacker spot. Alvin Williams has moved inside. Mister mm, Williams right. has flashed. There's bodies there. I don't know how they're going to handle that in terms of in terms of snaps. So that spot also recovering quickly. Yes, he's he's already running. Uh, I think outdoors, what? which is crazy. I think no, I saw that Carson Wells said that Achilles injury. Yeah, he's going to be pretty close. To, he's going to try to play this year for sure, and definitely like the lion's share if he can. Um. I think the, the spot you're losing the most is the defensive line. It sounds like they're okay with what they're getting there. I don't think you're going to get anyone like Mustafa. Um, but Sammy is a great place to start, um, Jalen Sammy. And I don't know. There's going to be a lot more shifts on the defensive side of the ball schematically. I would like to see two more transfers coming in. I would like to see a, a, a ready-to-go offensive lineman. I'd love to see another safety come in because I'm really worried about that safety spot. So that would be Isaiah Lewis and Mark Perry playing safety, right? Yes, but they're also going to play. I mean, there's going to be times when they want three safety. There's going to be times all the so time. So you want a third safety besides those two? Well, you want depth. Um, yes, and there's going to be absolutely. matchups where Mark Perry is not. He either he has to move up to play the line of scrimmage and you want another guy back there, or you want cross-training at least. So Trustin Oliver is like your classic patrolling the middle of the field safety. I think they want another cover guy just for depth. Cause if you look at the depth chart, there's really only Perry and Lewis as, as proven guys. Yeah. And that would be Adam Munster tiger's projected depth chart, right? Um, I'm just saying, looking at the roster, like okay, roster okay, depth okay. chart, whatever, yeah, like, so he has Mark Perry and Isaiah Lewis starting and then Trustin Oliver, who you're talking about, and then Torin Pittman as depth, but that's not very much depth. Yeah, neither of the guys have, have not have never played a D1 snap. I want a guy who's yeah. played a D1 snap. Please. And then the the star back, who you're saying is Robert Barnes, it would also be like Chris Miller, who's had three season injury injuries like the last right. three years. We want a guy. We we want another guy who can play some of those parts. Um, please. Yes. But um, overall, I, I feel. I feel There's, confident with yeah. cornerbacks. Definitely. I think that's turned into a pretty decent spot. I'm still worried a little bit about depth. Um, yes. 
But Gonzalez and Blackman, I think Blackman proved himself well last year. And I think Gonzalez obviously grew into that. That's a really good starting block. Yeah. And then Nigel Bethel is now eligible after transferring from Miami. And then he played last year. Bethel played last year. Oh, okay. Sorry. Got a pick. Um, And then Tariq Luckett. I love his. The football season existed to me like a fever dream. Like, I don't even remember much of it. Like, (laughs) only six games played. It happened and then it was done and then it was basketball season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tyron Taylor, um, early enrolled and it sounds like he's doing okay, actually, which I was surprised by. I thought he needed to put on some weight. What position? Cornerback. Um, he's like 6'2", 180, 190. Good, good okay. frame. I want to see what – I've yet to see anything about Luckett. I want to see what he's about because I think he's an exciting piece. Luckett? Tariq Luckett, yeah. Didn't we see – we saw him as a freshman. He did Yeah, and well. he played well, I thought. It was it was Luckett and Trujillo, Trujillo who just transferred out. And I thought both yeah. of them were exciting. Uh, and I have not seen anything from Luckett since. Where did KJ Trujillo go? Uh, Wake Forest. Dang, I wish that they would have hung on to him. Yeah, they were. I don't know. He just didn't really fit. I don't know why they tried to put him to safety. He was too skinny, but he just didn't fit. Uh, um, are there any impact freshmen you see on the defense? On the defense, or like like besides Jack Lamb and Robert Barnes, are there any newcomers who we should be paying attention to? Um. The only thing I can think of is pass rush and and maybe maybe safety, but those safety spots are locked in. I think you're gonna see the same guys that we've seen before at corner that we just mentioned. I think I don't know. There's not a lot on the defensive side. I think we're gonna see Trevor Woods on special teams a lot. I love that guy. I think he's a really good piece to have but man i don't know this class is the definition of a transition class i think you're gonna have a lot of solid guys and not a lot of people that contribute right away okay no i'm just trying to blaine like, toll another like, transfer like, he's gonna he's probably gonna play some okay i'm just looking at like last year's recruiting class versus this year's recruiting class and i remember just being so hyped over five different freshmen 2020 yeah well, definitely a lot more ready-made. Definitely, I mean, on paper, a better class. But, yeah, you know, Darrell, I will say, as much as we – I'm worried about – I was worried about his momentum after last year. Uh, 2022 has started out really well. Another thing that happened since the last time we recorded, see, so you got the quarterback, Owen McCown, and then Victor Venn is the running back they got who's like a Broussard clone if Broussard had the top-end speed. What's his name again? Victor Venn. Oh, that's right. Buford, Georgia, a little bit undersized, but Darren Hagan loves those guys. And he just runs so hard, make you miss in a phone booth. And well, he can definitely good. finish runs better than Broussard could. Um, can I expect anything from the freshman Zion Magale other than you want beautiful to. hair? And what about Zephaniah Maya? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, like Magale has great hair. Like, he is I not on campus hair. yet, so we don't know what he looks like. But Okay. Maya, 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 I think is how you pronounce it is. And he's a brick house. Like that dude is built. Um, Position inside linebacker. So 
Magalay would be awesome. That's what I was mentioning is you need pass rush, I think, past Wells on this team. And I don't know where it's going to come from right now. If he can come in right away and play that, that'd be awesome. I'm not expecting that based off of his offer list and his his rating. And I mean, even last year, like when they had a really solid defensive line and they had Wells and Landman, they struggled to get to the pass rush. Like they struggled to rush the passer without blitzing. Yeah. And to where if we have Mustafa Johnson gone and we can't really replace him that easily. Yeah. Are you are you concerned there? Well, I I will say Wells was a one man wrecking ball and he still yes. will be. Terrence Lang absolutely can rush the passer. And I'm interested to see Chris Wilson has mentioned this a little bit. I'm interested to see if the new defensive scheme is is this if they're shifting it in part because they want to see more from the base defense rushing the passer. I think it simplifies the responsibilities up front a lot. I think that's part of the mm-hmm. reasons they shifted is that I forgot we had a new defensive coordinator. Yes, they we do. <laughs> who is who was the defensive line coach on summers, but yeah, Wilson's done it before. I think a lot of what he, what he's talked about doing is making it so if you're on the edge, all you have to worry about is getting to the quarterback or the backfield as fast as possible. I think he's trying to do stuff like that. Okay. Whereas Summers uh, definitely disguised and did all this crazy. Yeah, stuff. so I guess I'm mostly asking questions on defense because like other than the few returning starters, I don't really know what it's going to look like. And uh, those players are kind of harder to like, they're more under the radar. So we don't know who's good and who's not like, we all knew LaVisca Chenault was going to break out whenever they decided to give him the ball. It's just, it's kind of hard to tell with defenders sometimes, especially when like your most talented underclassmen, arguably Jason Harris just transferred to Arizona. So it's just, yeah, but he never, yeah. I mean, he never was anything. So it's on it's, paper talent. I'm yes, just saying, it, like, it, like when you I can see, lament the potential, but he really wasn't. Yeah. But like defensive players, like, like I didn't, I had no idea who Mustafa Johnson was until he was playing well. Cause right. like, I think it's just harder to follow these incoming players on the defensive side. I and think it's I, easier for skill position players on offense to make an impact right away. Yes. I think it's easy to tell also if, who's going to make an impact. Like, we all said Levante Chenault is going to play. Brendan Rice is obviously ready to play right away, and he was. Mm-hmm. Because you can look at him, you're like, yeah, that dude's 6'3", 220. He's going he's gonna to be fine. I, I'm excited to see what the offense looks like next year. Like, this looks like it has a lot of potential. If yeah. you have all these underclassmen receivers with as much talent as they have, with these this stable of running backs, and then if, like, they have a quarterback who, again, can, like, throw it accurately from farther than 10 yards... I, and, ha- and has more touchdowns than the interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I mean this in the nicest way, but Sam Neuer is basically like a shitty version of Cepho. And that, that is yeah. a nice way. I, yeah. He did what he had to do for most <laughs> of the year. Sam Neuer won the games for most of the year and obviously had obvious shortcomings that were exploited in a huge way near the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. Not but his like, fault. He was the right quarterback for the first four games of the season, and there's right. nothing wrong with that. Right. It's just so, like moving yeah. forward, we have a talented quarterback who we can like get excited about. So that's very nice. I'm going to wrap up. I, I'm almost out of thoughts. Darrell has yeah. mentioned before. That I didn't come the, in with any thoughts, so go ahead. Yes. He's, he's mentioned during post, post-practice questions, he's trying to bring more motion to the offense, trying to do more disguises trying to do more diagnoses before the snap, which is interesting to me. Um, something that Shiv honestly doesn't like, I think Shiv has a single minded 
play fast. Um, doesn't really care about trying to find. I think he cares about doing his thing and and letting the defense try to stop that rather than trying to trying to adjust to what the defense is showing him. I think Darrell's trying to add that second layer. And all of this to say, I'm going to pound this for five months or whatever until the season starts. You have a quarterback who has obvious wheels, either in Neuer or Lewis. Lewis has better wheels than Neuer, and Neuer can run the goddamn ball. You have a, a running an offensive line that knows how to run block with big dudes in the middle, like Kobe, Kobe Purcell returning for like 18th year. I don't know how he's still playing. Tim uh, Lina, come on back. Yeah, he literally, <laughs> yes. It feels like he was there when Tim Lina, yeah. Kerry Kutch, like I, you have dudes that you know can move the pile, Frank Phillip included. And you have three running backs, Jarek Broussard, Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, right? Or Comeback yeah, Player no, of the Year? he was. Least. He didn't even uh, win the same MVP, but he won Pac-12 Player of the Year. Who was MVP? Lehman? Yep. Okay. We should have uh, been, so. Alex Fonno, who was almost a 1,000-yard rusher the year before, and like half uh, action. J- uh, Jaron Mangum transferred. But a Shaq Clayton, who's obviously super exciting. If we aren't running the ball like 50 times next year, I'm going to be so upset. Because mm-hmm. that's we have a quarterback that can get you yards whenever he wants, even without a design run. Those still count as runs. We have running backs that we can rotate. We should be able to run the ball 35 times and still have fresh legs. Easy on the running back side. I will side. say that Demetri Stanley should get the ball more. Right. But but, but the thing that does, if, if we are yeah. so successful running the ball, is we should be play-actioning out the ass. Because we also have a mm-hmm. tight end we know is good. And we have another tight end, Eric Olsen, coming in, who's solid at run blocking and a huge target. Caleb Fourier, huge target. Top recruit in 2020, one of the top recruits, Caleb Fourier. Huge target coming off from injury. We have eight dudes in the tight end room. We have a massive tight end room right now. We stack those guys on the line. You put in two receivers and you run the ball until they With can't stop it. The Stanford strength and conditioning coach now. Right. Exactly. We should be able to slow the game down, run it down people's throats, and, and then Gary Barnett style play action over the top to either Dimitri Stanley, to Levante Chenault, to Brendan Rice, and then have a little play action tight end in the middle. You're Daniel Grant. We don't have a Daniel Graham on this team, but Not your yet, tight end greasing the wheels. I think this is a run-based team, 100%. And if we don't commit to that, it'll be a mistake. To be fair, we did commit to that last year in a very big way to Jared, Jared Broussard's detriment near the end because that guy was dead tired. Uh, and Darrell has shown in the past as a head coach, he is absolutely willing to run the ball 50 times a, a game if, if necessary. I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. His best year as a head coach was UCLA – with Maurice Jones-Drew when he said, we're going to pass the ball when you make us. We are not going to pass the ball to start. We have Mercedes Lewis. We have Maurice Jones-Drew. We're going to we're gonna run it up the gut, and then we're going to pass to Mercedes Lewis. End. That's it. That's our offense. Try to stop us. Yeah, I'm more excited on the offensive side. Like, I can visualize and, like, kind of feel what it's going to be, and I know who the players are. The defense, it just seems like there's a lot of depth issues where, like, we had things go right last year that probably don't every time. And so yes. I'm just a little, I'm definitely skeptical on that side. Well, and let's look back at the last performance. The defense got eviscerated by Texas, and yeah. it didn't do that well against Utah, you know? So against bigger and faster teams where. Nothing right. Great. Pac-12 has a lot of talent coming back next year. It's going to be a way harder league next year. And CU's playing a full schedule. 
Yeah. That defense and is going to be tested. We can probably expect to step back. Like three and nine wouldn't be the worst thing if the offense. Okay. Looks fine. Well, now we're getting to season preview stuff, which I'm not prepared for. I will say three and nine is not going to happen. That's not going to work. It's not going to happen. Okay. I just, I'm, I'm just tempering expectations as no. I tend to do. Well, and I, I'm going to pound this again too. You know, the best way uh, to me in college, the best way to be an upset team is to limit possessions. And if you can run the ball for okay. eight minute possessions, that's how you limit possessions. That's true. Okay. And that's also how you limit defensive. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I've got nothing else. All right. That was it. I, I, I completed my first rant on the offense. The first of many, I will, I will bring in little legit plays. You know what they need? They need the 2006 Madden 06 San Diego chargers playbook, where it's just, you have a Danian Tomlinson. You got Antonio Gates, just HB counter every time. Lorenzo Neal too. Lorenzo um, Neal. Jay Lee stacks is a Lorenzo Neal. We talk about the 06 chargers Madden roster way too often. Marty Schottenheimer is, is RIP. Yeah, I will say that this is going to be a long offseason because I have no fucking idea what's going on. And I know this is still recording, but I'm acting <laughs> like it's not. But I don't know what's going on, and I'm fine with that because I've been paying too much attention to basketball. Right. We got You got to get some de-stress in between, and we have there's plenty of time to learn. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a long walk to August. It's going to be a long walk to August. Yeah. And if you're still listening to this, Mr. Listener over there, and you have an idea for a shit post for <laughs> the off season, feel free to DM us. I will or write, about... write it on the fan post, and then we write will absolutely promote post. it. Yes. If if it's something that's worth promoting, we at, we put this on the front page a lot. Yeah, if you want us to like power rank teams by any category, yep, literally any category that's appropriate, even inappropriate. I'll ask my editor. <laughs> I'll do it. Just, I, just let yeah. me know. I ne- We need content so bad. We don't have a baseball team. We're the only Pac-12 team that doesn't have baseball. And so we're just dying in the summer with content. I still all laugh. I, all we do is draft updates, injury, like news, schedules, and like buffs in the NBA. Like, I don't know if you want me to write about Alec Burke scoring 19 points off the bench. I do, so, but... You know, I, I, I still laugh. The most viewed article I ever had was uh, Pac-12 teams as Westeros houses in Game of Thrones. Yeah, and my, I think your most viewed article was ranking Pac-12 teams by logo. I, that was yeah. the most hate. I got the most hate mail for that one. I, I got a I lot of my, DMs. My most celebrated article was uh, ranking Pac-12 teams alphabetically. <laughs> <laughs> just like we drew it up just like we drew it up well all right jack i'm done uh see ya see ya